I think that when we watch the movies, there's some of the things that the movies give us in a picture of Jesus and who he was, is that Jesus was just basically drug around and he really had no real part in the, uh, in the crucifixion. I mean, but you have to realize what happened. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. You know, he did nothing about it. He could have simply told the disciples. I think Peter would have taken care of it. What do you think? He would have done it. And so he didn't defend himself during his, his, the illegal trial. Pilate couldn't understand why they, were going to, they wanted to kill him. He went to Herod just doing a simple miracle. He could have just walked across his swimming pool and that would have done it for Herod. And that would have stopped everything right there, wouldn't it? We sometimes forget who he is. We realize that he is the most powerful being in the universe. He is God. He could have called on his angels and not even lifted a finger. And he could have gotten out of this, of this crucifixion. But he didn't do that. He didn't give them back what they were giving him. He willingly went to the cross. That's a very different thing than what we get the picture in the the movies. Sometimes it seems like he's just drug into it. It's like he jumped in the river and he's just caught in in the rapids and he can do nothing about it. That was not the case and it never was. He gave us an example of when people do something that is evil to us, we're not to do it back to them. First Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says this. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. I, I, did you get it? It says there when people treat you with evil... You don't give them evil back. When they insult you, you don't insult them back. But rather, you respond with a blessing. And what does it say? This is your calling. Your calling is to give a blessing when somebody insults you. I will tell you, this is not normal. This is not natural. You see, because most of the time what we'll do is we'll, we'll respond. One of the ways here is, is that we'll respond, respond aggressively. If they threaten you, you threaten them right back. If they insult you, you insult them right back. I, I, I found these, these are a little humorous, but the fact is, is that this is not what we're supposed to do. Lady Nancy Astor said to Winston Churchill, Winston, if you were my husband, I'd poison your tea. He responded with, Nancy, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> he was told one time, he got into an elevator with somebody and, and this lady said to him, he said, sir, you are drunk. And he responded with, I may be drunk, miss, but in the morning I will be sober and you will still be ugly. <laughs> that is not the way to act. Okay. I mean, just that they're humorous because we don't know those people. That's the reason that it's humorous. So we respond sometimes with aggressiveness and then sometimes we're passive aggressive. Passive aggressive is, is that we tell the truth but only part of the truth. Mary came in sober today. 
She comes in sober every day, but it doesn't sound like that, does it? Or she came in on time today. You realize this. Or you may obey even when you know that it's wrong. Your boss told you to do something. You say, I know that's already been ordered, but I'll order it again because he told me to order it. I'll make it where it's bad. I'll, and so you order the wrong item, even though you know it's the wrong item. So why do we do this? Well, sometimes it, it comes down to our pride. Maybe we feel a little bit superior and how dare they attack us. They need to be put back in their place and I'm going to do something to make sure that they never try to attack me like this again. They won't even dream of it. And so sometimes when we're attacked because of our faith, I've heard these before. Somebody's attacked because of their faith. The person, the Christian says, well, at least I'm not going to hell like that to them. Or you are an agent of the devil. You see, sometimes we're just plain out afraid when somebody attacks us. Maybe we're a little uh, challenged. Maybe we don't have any confidence in what we're doing in the first place. Maybe, maybe in, in the case of our, our salvation and such, we're, we're afraid we're not standing up for Christ. Maybe we're hurt. Maybe we're hurt. And see, that we, maybe we had their best interests in mind when we shared our faith with them. But what happens is, is that they question our integrity and attack us for a life in Christ. So what we need to do is we need to step back and admit this is not about us. It is not about us. People may attack us because of our, con- our convictions, but we're, we're, we're just not simply to be attacked and go along with them. We're largely silent, I'd have to say that. But we still have to bless them on the other side. See, we have standards because of our convictions. If you're a believer and you're really living the Christian life, you've got standards. You've got standards because of your convictions. I've told many single people through the period of time that I've been a minister, I've told them, said, all you have to do to be married is lower your convictions. Lower your standards. Lower your standards and you can be married. I have seen some people marry some people that... I thought, oh my goodness, this is not the person they should marry. But you know why? Because they wanted to be married more than they wanted to do, hold their standards up. And I can tell you that if you want your faith to get along with everybody else, all you have to do is lower your standards. When we return evil for evil, we're marring the image of God in us. Realize that God loves that other person. Maybe they're going to, they're speaking Ill, illy of us. They're insulting us. But he would never bring evil upon them. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. You realize that what we've done is that we have presented an image of God that is not really true. We're not reflecting the image of God. You see, our identity should be found in Jesus Christ. That's where our identity needs to be found. And what did he do when they insulted him? What did they do? What did he do when they attacked him? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I identify with Jesus Christ. See, it is only our own fallen flesh that would respond by the world to the way the world does. Returning evil for evil changes the subject too. 
What, what is it? We gave them maybe our conviction, maybe that we gave them what we we believe. Maybe we maybe we were maybe we were even complimenting them about something, or maybe something else was going on. And what they did, it, we changed the subject. What did we make it about? We made it about ourselves. We're going to say, I'm going to defend myself. It's not about my convictions anymore because it's not evil. My convictions should not be evil. And so it is that the image of God in us is holy, and it is. We are marring the image of God by returning evil for something that they've given to us as evil. You see, I realized this. You know what? I found that when people think they are right, they are righteous, they sometimes mean. Mean. You heard me right. You think, well, how does that come about? Well, I have seen even in this day that people who think that their theology is more correct than anybody else's, that their walk with the Lord is more correct than anybody else, that they are the meanest people that I have ever seen. And if you think things have changed, look back at the chief priest and to the scribes and the Pharisees. How could they have exacted such cruelty upon Jesus if they didn't think they were righteous in doing so? You think you're so right that you can be mean. And sometimes people are thinking, well, I've got to depend, I've got to defend God. Uh, let me explain something to you. God is not worried about being deposed. He's not up for an election. He's not saying, you know what, I won't be God if you don't stand up and st- say something for me. You don't defend me in this. That's, what, that's the, the issue that is at hand. If we are attacked because of our convictions concerning our faith, we should remember some things about God. We should remember these things. First, I'd say from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I was watching this street preacher. It was, a, it, was in, it was in Great Britain. I guess it was the guy who had a British accent. The street preacher was trying to preach... And this guy got up and he said, he said, I can prove to you that there's no God. Because I can say to you right now, there is no God. And if there was a God, he would do me in right now. And since I am still standing here, there is no God. Now, the first thing, I've got to give you my first thought. My first thought, wouldn't it be great if God did a little smiting like he did in the Old Testament? You know, we'll smite that guy right there. That would have made a great, much better video. But then the other side of it made me think, well, why don't you hand him a cigarette and say, why don't you smoke this cigarette and then prove to us that it doesn't cause emphysema? There's no logic in what that guy has said. And why would God not attack that guy, that guy at that very minute? Because God wants that person to come to Christ. God wants that person to walk with him. He does not want to condemn him. And that should be our attitude. So take this attitude if you're attacked because of your faith. First thing I have to say to you is this. They have no salvation. That person that attacks you because of your faith, they can't understand why you have salvation. They believe in karma. They believe because I'm a good person. I'm going to have whatever it's called, nirvana at the end of it all. You know what I'm saying? This is what they believe in. They believe in their own goodness because they'll be justified. But they have no salvation. It doesn't matter what you believe if it's not true. 
It doesn't matter if you believe the ice that you're walking across on the lake is thick enough to hold you up if it's not thick enough to hold you up. It depends on what the truth really is. And the truth is found in God's Word. Understanding then can only come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only way that they can understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They do not have the Holy Spirit because they do not have Christ. They have never identified with Christ, and they do not have the Holy Spirit, therefore, to reveal to them what spiritual things mean. Thus, they don't know what they're doing any more than the people who, than those who crucified Christ. Crucified Jesus. You know, what did Jesus say to those people that were crucifying? What was, what was it on the cross? And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. That's what he's on the cross. He's asking for their forgiveness at that time. These people that are attacking you, they have nothing but the flesh to drive them. They have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things are, are driving them. Do they have the, the indelible image of God that has been printed upon them? Yes, they do, but that's not what's driving them at that point. What's driving them is their flesh. And when you have the flesh, you can't do what is really good, just the flesh. Paul would write, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Now realize, this is a man with the Spirit that's writing this. Think of what it is like for the person without the Spirit. They they will lack the desire and they lack the ability to do so. It would be for me to act in 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 the Spirit if I didn't have the Spirit. It would be like jumping in a... The, the Pacific Ocean at San Diego and trying to swim to Hawaii. You know, won't make it. Just won't make it. Now realize this also. This was you before salvation. This was you before salvation. Now I realize that some of you became Christians as children and you have a hard time remembering what it was like before you were saved. But this is what you would be like if you hadn't been saved at this point. You see, and and folks, here's the other thing I want us to realize. We are not any better than them. We are saved by the grace of God, not because of any of our good works. It is by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. When there are those people that are are lost and there, we are not better than them in any way whatsoever. So recognize that. Then realize this. We are called to give people blessings. This is exactly the opposite of returning evil for evil or insult for insult. We have the flesh too, understand. And, but, and without regard to the Spirit, we're going to act in the flesh. But a blessing, a blessing that they're calling for here is more than a right action. In other words, a blessing must come from the heart and not just from the mouth. See, my, my daughters were little and one of them would do something to the other one. I would make them ask for forgiveness. 
I mean, you didn't realize that. They would, I'd say, now you I need to ask your sister for uh, forgiveness for hitting her or whatever you did. And so they'd say, I'm sorry I hit you. Will you forgive me? You think that was from the heart? Ah, no, that's not what that was. They cared very little. A blessing is a genuine desire for good for the other person. It is a heart-given grace. It is spent. It is spent because it cannot be taken back and it can't even be repeated for another person and truly have the same blessing there because that is a blessing just for that person. That is why Isaac, when he blessed Jacob, it came from his heart. He knew he was blessing the right person. He just didn't know what the right, who the right person was. He couldn't undo it because it was spent already. And so let me give you a confession here. I, because as I prepared this, I, I have to say I, I've not always blessed people. And I have not always been insulted and didn't respond with insult or evil for evil or any of that kind of stuff. But when I first became a pastor or a preacher, I preached these really hard messages that I thought I could beat people into submission to God. I'm going to tell you something. I haven't done it since I've been here, but I preached messages where people were crying. I was so rough on them. And I was saying, oh, I'm doing God's will because they're crying. They must be affected. (laughs) I didn't realize what I was doing. Let me explain it this way. I'm going to tell this story. I read it somewhere, and I don't remember where I read it. So if you find it, it'll be more accurate. I'm giving you what I remember about this story. I remember the story of a football coach who was spending longer and longer at his office watching films or whatever it was in order to get his football team ready for the, uh, for the next game that they had coming up. But when he'd get home because he'd come in late, his wife would chew him out. In fact, she would beat him up with her words when she'd come in. You shouldn't have stayed out so long. You should have come in earlier. And so when that happened, he kept working later and later. Now, here's what he finally told her. And I may have this story wrong, but it's along this line. He said, remember when Old Blue, there was a dog. I don't remember the dog's name. He said, ran away from Grandpa. He said, well, Old Blue first got out and he started to have fun just running around. You know, he's out, he's having new places that he can go and look and smell and things to chase. And nobody's after him. But eventually he ran and he ran and he ran and he got lost. And he didn't know how to get home. And so he spent days where he didn't have any water. He didn't have any food. He was sleeping in the rain and the elements. He wasn't in his bed at his house. And he missed, he missed all of that. And he missed Grandpa too. Then a few days later, in a more lean state, he finally sees something one day that looks familiar. And he starts to see something else that looks familiar. And then more and more. And then finally he finds himself that he's gone his way back home and he runs home. And when he gets there, Grandpa beats him. Because Grandpa doesn't want him to ever run away again. And he thinks that's the best thing to do. And old Blue is just thinking, you know what? Maybe it wasn't so bad out there. This is what I come back to. Then this guy told his wife, when you chew me out for being away, 
And when I know I'm a little late, I dread that chewing out. And I stay longer because I don't want to come home to a beating. That's the story, folks. Now, I want people to come home. And if I want people to come home, I've got to make home better than staying away. You realize that? You've got to make it better than staying away. You see, a lot of people, I mean, I just had a, an email conversation with somebody not too long ago. And they, this person has been out of church for a long time. And while the person didn't tell me this, I sensed in the background, they're afraid that when they come back to church, people are going to chew them out for being out. You understand what I'm saying? Why haven't you been in church? Don't you know that you believe, you're supposed to be here? Well, they came back, folks. Now, what was the example of the prodigal son? I mean, what happened there? Did the father beat him up when he came home? You know what I bet? I bet he still had the smell of pigs on him. And his father comes up and hugs him. Now think about that a little bit. See, I wasn't called to beat people. You weren't called to beat people. Our calling is to bless people. And deep inside, deep inside, you know it's the truth. We're not called to judge or bring uh, retribution, we are called to give a blessing. Do you want to be a part of a people who bless? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that we are a people who bless.